Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Coping. Yes, I'm so excited to begin a new series today. But before that, we want to say that this is our last episode of this season. That's right. This is the end of season three. We've had three great seasons of coping. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me this last season. It's been really fun to um, have this time to talk with you every month. It's been really nice. It has been. So this season, to recap what we've done, is we've taken listeners through some of the retreats and journeys that our community has been through. So we began talking about fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. and some tools for that. In the spring, if you recall, we just finished up this series on grief and loss. Mm -hmm. and We hope that's been really beneficial. And we're now in the midst of a season where we're learning about a very important topic, rest. That's right. Man, we've covered so much this year. As we launch into this new series and a new season starting next month, when we think about the word rest, what are some of the ideas that come to mind for you, Kathy? Yes. So I think that rest is very complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens is a lot of times I hear people say, I'm getting my eight hours sleep. I don't understand mm -hmm. why when I wake up in the morning, I'm still so exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I totally relate to that personally as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, I'd say, it's when you lay down to go to sleep at night after a long and busy and exhausting day, and then you can't fall asleep. Uh, clearly, I'm tired, but maybe I'm not just physically tired. That sleep mm -hmm. isn't the kind of rest that I'm needing. Maybe there's other kinds of rest that I'm lacking. Yes, and we're so excited to share with you this series on rest. So let's get started. So back to our question, why aren't we feeling rested after a full night's sleep? Or why can't we fall asleep after a really long and hard, exhausting day? Yes, excellent question. So one of our favorite authors is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Her book is called Sacred Rest. Hmm. And one of her basic premises is that there are seven different kinds of rest. Seven. Hmm. Seven kinds of rest. That sounds like a lot of rest that we might be missing out on. Yes, uh, definitely. And she begins the chapter talking about uh, physical rest, which is the first kind, the one that we know about, the eight hours sleep, the naps, active mm. and passive rest is what she begins with. That's so good. One of the things that stands out to me, having read this book and knowing her material, um, is the two different kinds of rest, right? The active and the passive. Um, we often think about rest in terms of laying down to sleep, but exercise, going for a run at the end of a long, exhausting day mm -hmm. can be rest and, and rejuvenating as well. Yes, and active rest as well. For those of you who aren't athletic like myself, mm -hmm. uh, there are ways, stretching, breathing, mm -hmm. and one of my favorites she talks about is taking a bath is actually part of active rest. Oh, that's cool. I never thought about it that way. So what about these other kinds of rest? What's the next kind of rest that she talks about? Yes. So the one that we are just discussing in our recent course right now is mental rest. Mm. And this is defined as the ability to quiet cerebral chatter and oh. focus on things that matter. Does that resonate mm. with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of the reason why I can't fall asleep at night is because of mm-hmm. all of the um, thoughts, conversations, feelings of the day are scrambled in my head. And it's often the time of the day that I remember all the things that I've forgotten. And so I, right. I pull out my phone, make, keep adding things to my list of things I need to do. Um, there's just so much going on in my brain that I can't can't shut it off. There's like a, an on switch and it, it's stuck in the on position. Yes, she tells the story in the book in this chapter about how her desk, she talks about her desk and how it's like littered with a whole bunch of things mm. um, and how our cluttered home spaces are very related to our cluttered minds. Mm. And we have to go through the process of decluttering Mm. Um, our mind and mental spaces, not just our physical spaces. So those of us who, this is not me, obsessed with uh, decluttering my home and spaces, (laughs) I'm more obsessed with decluttering my mental spaces, constantly Mm. putting things in order, um, Mm. even in digital spaces so that my mental space is Mm. clear. That's well. so good. I love that visual of things being cluttered. And I, what I'm rec- recognizing as we're talking is that um, when you lay your head down at night to go to sleep, that's not the time to start decluttering your mind. That's the Correct. time to be doing a different kind of rest. So um, maybe building up in a practice of decluttering as you're winding down your night rather than going from working on your computer, sending emails and then shutting it down, closing the lights off and then trying to go to sleep. Like Absolutely. there needs to be... A wind down process, yeah. Sure, that's good. and one of the ones that one of the techniques that we've talked about is this idea of building an on ramp to sleep um, mm. instead of thinking of our rest and our sleep as an on and off switch. Mm-hmm. Instead, thinking about it as a a way to build the on ramp. Like for those of you who are parents out there, and when we had young children, we built in at least three hours before mm. we thought they were actually going to fall asleep. Why do we think that we as adults can automatically, when our alarm goes off or the bedtime reminder goes off, that all of a sudden we're going to go to sleep? Mm-hmm. Our bodies don't work that way. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. This is true for kids, true for adults, for sure. And our next kind of rest is emotional rest Mm. and she describes emotional rest as the freedom to authentically express feelings and eliminate this is important people pleasing behaviors Mm -hmm. Um, by show of hands how many of you listening is guilty of people pleasing Mm -hmm. Uh, my hand is raised Mm -hmm. Uh, this is something Mm -hmm. that I struggle with a lot and certainly one of the things that keeps me up at night thinking about all of my negative interactions during the day and all the Mm -hmm. things that I could have done to you know win somebody over um uh, emotional rest is definitely needed uh, in my life um, from all the people pleasing. What, what else, what other insight do you have about this kind of rest? So she also discusses this idea, and I think you've talked about it before, is that we sort of have an emotional tank of mm. what we can offer. And sometimes when we come in contact with people who are, let's say, challenging, let's say <laughs> difficult, let's yes. say a handful yes. <laughs> uh, because of their anxious energy, because of their their pain, their emotional issues, they require a lot of emotional, uh, a, a lot of our emotional investment. Mm-hmm. And if we find ourselves in places with these types of people often, mm-hmm. we are draining our emotional energy mm-hmm. and um, 
not having the correct boundaries is what's making our emotional rest tanks deplete very, very quickly. Yeah, definitely. That's so true. And what I'm learning from uh, her work is that a lot of these rest practices are building on one another so that uh, if you find yourself stuck in people-pleasing behavior, it's probably because you're exhausted in some of the other areas. And when you begin to practice really good physical rest, um, better mental rest, then this uh, emotional rest becomes a little bit easier because you have that margin, you have that boundary um, for yourself to make good decisions and to discern when it right. is that you're seeking after uh, people pleasing um, as a way of affirming and making you feel better, sure. getting that endorphin kick, right? Mm-hmm. Another area that she talks about with emotional rest, I think is key, mm-hmm. is related to our self-talk. Hmm. During this week, we are exploring this idea of how do we talk to ourselves? Mm-hmm. Are we building ourselves up emotionally? Are we mm-hmm. allowing ourselves to feel our feelings? Mm-hmm. Are we stuffing? In our last grief podcast, remember we talked about the stuffers and the sharers, mm-hmm. that that whole emotional exchange um, is very healthy if we're doing that in a healthy way. But mm-hmm. if we're not in tune with our emotions and our, we're mm-hmm. also not giving ourselves permission because we're constantly beating ourselves up, mm-hmm. that's also depleting our emotional rest. Yeah, that's so good. Um, what I want to do is jump to one of these other kinds of rest. And I think it's very much related to this emotional rest and what you just shared. And that's creative rest. Mm-hmm. What does she say about creative rest? I love this one. This is one of my favorite ones. Mm. And the first time I read the book many years ago, uh, creative rest is really the experience of allowing beauty Mm -hmm. to inspire awe Mm -hmm. and to liberate wonder. That's her quote, to inspire awe and liberate wonder. Well, it sounds Mm. beautiful, but if we think about what that looks like in our lives, Um, I know specifically if I think about during the time of COVID, I was really missing being able to be out and see beautiful things and experience beautiful Mm -hmm. experiences. So Mm -hmm. concerts, for me, it's live theater. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very, very difficult to not be able to be in a place that would places and spaces to um, evoke the beauty and the art of life. That's so good. And I would say for working professionals who find themselves with um, those mental writing blocks, or if you're a student and you're just like, if I have to write one more word on one more paper, I think I'm going to die. You probably are in need of creative rest. Um, Those mental blocks that interfere with your ability to work um, is because you're lacking inspiration and awe. And I know it sounds counterintuitive, but in those times that you're stuck with the work that you have to get done, going and participating in some type of creative rest can be the Mm -hmm. very thing that unlocks those mental blocks for you. So quite literally getting up from your work, going outside into uh, the natural beauty of the world, going into nature, uh, taking a, you know, music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listening to music, taking a vacation, watching a movie, you know, all of those things can inspire you and spark in Mm -hmm. you the kind of rest that you're needing. Mm -hmm. And again, although it's counterintuitive walking away from your work, it'd be the thing that brings you back to your work, much more productive, much more rested and filled and the ability to complete the tasks that are in front of you. Right. I think one of the things that, um, when we discuss this week, we're going to talk about is 
what we're consuming, is that giving us creative rest? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we are doing it to numb ourselves. um, Or we're like, oh, we need to watch that program because everyone's watching it. But the creative rest, it's very important. Again, like we've saying with all these rests to be super intentional. Yeah, I I think that that's such an important point about intentionality, right? Um, There's nothing wrong with scrolling Instagram. There's nothing wrong with watching YouTube. There's nothing wrong with playing video games. It's about setting that as an intentional practice of rest. When you find yourself just scrolling um, you know, aimlessly through Instagram or you just have the TV on in the background um, and you're not intentionally using it as a practice of rest, it can be numbing. And then you're really not doing right. anything intentional. You're not really filling up your tank. You're just numbing yourself from all the exhaustion right. of the day. And it's not going to have the benefit that's intended. Right. So I think everything in moderation, but also everything with intention too. Correct. Right? Yes, yeah. for sure. And that brings me what you we talk about YouTube, Instagram. Um, she mentions another kind of rest. Let's talk about that. Um, and so the opportunity to downgrade the endless onslaught of sensory input mm. received from electronics, fragrances, yeah. and background noise. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, the mindless scrolling. This is yes. called sensory rest. Yeah. We so all true. know we can benefit from unplugging. What do you think about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, we live in such an oversensitized world from our cell phones in our pockets, our Apple watches on our wrist, um, the TVs that are on uh, you know, 24-7 in our room, the news that goes 24-7, uh, all of the alerts that we're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, working in the hospital, this is especially true. Uh, I talk to the staff often about how, you know, you sit at a, a computer all day uh, documenting, but then you have the IV pump that's beeping. You have the codes mm-hmm. that are being called overhead. You have your mm-hmm. your Avaya phone that's ringing with the doctor that needs to put in orders. You hear the helicopter landing. You have the ambulances mm-hmm. that are uh, sirens mm-hmm. are going off down the street. There's just so much sensory overload in the hospital Mm -hmm. setting. I think this is true in many workplaces. And then when you go on your your break to take a break, what do you do? You open up your phone and you scroll Instagram. You're there being hit by this blue screen off your phone. Mm -hmm. And no wonder we're feeling so exhausted. We Mm -hmm. have all of this sensory, um, all of our senses being triggered throughout the entire day. And then as a break, we do more things that are uh, um, heightening our, our, our sensory receptors. So I think of all of the rest practices, this sensory rest is the one that has been most transformative for me. Right. What we what she says here is what we really need to do is get back to the the minimal, uh, the basics, not the minimal, the basics. Let's get back to the basics. What does yeah. that mean? That right. means that we have five senses. Mm. They're now completely overloaded 24-7. And yeah. so some of the practices related to sensory rest are not just, you know, turning down and turning off notifications mm-hmm. or putting on screen time on mm-hmm. your phones or powering down your phone at night. Those are all excellent. Mm-hmm. But one of the techniques for sensory rest is to get back in touch with the five senses. For example, mm-hmm. one of the suggestions we had this week Um, related to mental rest, which Mm -hmm. goes also to sensory rest, is to do a practice called mindful walking, where Mm -hmm. you just go on a walk and you're going to use your five senses without devices, Mm. unplug from the Mm -hmm. headphones or the 
um, AirPods and walk quietly thinking about finding one thing you can see, one thing Mm -hmm. you can touch, one thing Mm -hmm. you can hear, one thing you can smell. That's really good. And and getting back to the basics of uh, what our senses were intended for. Mm Yeah, we talk about decluttering as it relates to the senses. We're talking about desensitizing or um, like re-regulating ourselves when we get so unregulated by all the senses in in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's something to say about the organic uh, senses, the things that come from nature versus Mm -hmm. the electronic uh, manufacturer senses that are triggering us. Absolutely. Our body needs to be regulated to those organic senses, uh, those Uh organic sensory um, output, as opposed to how we are typically regulated is by all these uh, manufactured uh, senses. Yes, this is a huge one. This is a big one, technology. Yeah, for sure. I think that leads us perfectly to this next rest practice, and that's spiritual rest. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith describes spiritual rest as the capacity to experience God in all things and to recline in the knowledge of the holy. And I would even extend this definition of God to higher power, wherever your Mm -hmm. meaning comes from, tapping into that and the knowledge of the holy, the thing that transcends us all. And, you know, the thing that sets us apart from all other creation is our ability to Uh, be aware of things that are greater than ourselves, to be very meta about things. And if we're not taking time to tap into that part of us that's spiritual, that spiritual side of us, um, we are living in survival mode. And so uh, here we see ourselves needing uh, spiritual rest as part of our holistic approach to well-being. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very often when I meet with students, I have students say, I'm looking for significance, I'm looking Mm -hmm. to make a meaningful contribution to the world, Mm -hmm. I'm attempting to figure out why I am here. Mm -hmm. And I think these are all spiritual rest questions as we attempt to connect back to the Mm -hmm. essence of who we are and taking care of our souls. What Mm -hmm. does soul care look like? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not about a religion. It's about the essence of who we are. Yeah. And I would say if you're listening today and you're like, well, I'm not a a faith-filled person. I I didn't grow up going to church or I used to go to church, but it's not really my thing anymore. Um, We have to recognize that regardless of our faith background, of our belief system, we are all spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. And so whatever spirituality looks like for you, uh, we need to build a practice of rest um, as it relates to our spirituality. And I would even go as far as to say, uh, if you are somebody who's struggling with your uh, spiritual life and you want to grow your spiritual life, but you're hitting a lot of roadblocks, it's possibly that you're exhausted in all the other six areas. And that's the thing that's preventing you from flourishing and blossoming your uh, spiritual Mm -hmm. life. And so if you want to grow your spiritual life and you've hit a lot of roadblocks along the way, focus on these other rest practices, the other six. I I assure you, you will begin to see some flourishing in your spiritual life. You'll have the the space Mm -hmm. to start to contemplate the things that are bigger than yourself, to start to tap back into your values and your beliefs once you can declutter some of the other areas. And I'll speak now to those that are faith-filled people. If you find yourself going to church every single Sunday, you serve your community um, as part of your faith practice, and um, you are somebody who serves in your church and you're very involved, all of that's really wonderful. 
but I want you to feel the challenge of asking yourself if those practices of your faith, of your spirituality, are giving you rest. Because sometimes those of us that work in full-time ministry need a sabbatical as well. We need to take a break away from the routine, from the schedule, from all of our commitments to connect with God. So where is your spiritual rest if your daily practice, your weekly mm-hmm. practice is to be serving and to be very involved in your church? What would it look like for you to take a rest from that mm-hmm. and to connect with the spirituality, to, to connect with God on a different mm-hmm. level? Yes, very, very, very important. Something that we haven't um, had time for, just like right. everything else that we're talking right. about today. Have to carve up the time for it. And finally, the last rest that she describes is something called social rest. Mm. Social rest is the wisdom to recognize relationships that revive from ones that exhaust and how to limit exposure to toxic people. Mm. I love that she uh, is brave and mentions uh, toxic people um, as it relates to rest. Um, I struggled at first with this idea of calling out toxic people. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be loving and understanding and, you know, um, love our enemies and all of that. But I think it's, as I've grown in my spirituality, I've recognized that it takes a certain level of faith to have the discernment to recognize who in your life is a toxic person. And what I mean by toxic is that there's somebody that's going to be draining you. (laughs) If you are not preparing ahead of time for those kinds of interactions with people who are toxic in your life, you're not able to support them. You're not able to serve them and to be present to them. Mm -hmm. If you are uh, clumping everybody in your life together as the same person in the same interaction, you're not going to be able to meet them where they're at with what the needs that they have that they're presenting to you. And so... In faith, we discern the different kinds of people in our life, the different kinds of relationships that we have. And when we recognize toxic people that we have to interact with because of work or they're in our families, um, limiting those interactions or being mindful of them as we go into them. We've talked about attentive awareness in the past. Having that pre-attentive awareness is going to be so important to maintain our stores of rest, but also to be present to them, to be mm-hmm. able to uh, uh, show up for those people when we have to as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two, I have two comments about that. I think it's mm-hmm. very crucial what you said as a person of faith. Uh, the very famous pair that has written the Boundary series, Cloud mm-hmm. and Townsend, yeah. have a book called Safe People. Mm-hmm. I think this is key because they address this ongoing issue for people of faith who right. have a hard time saying, oh, this person is toxic, yeah. where we're yeah. taught that everybody is good or we mm-hmm. should treat everyone fairly. So that it's an excellent resource, Safe People, Cloud mm-hmm. and Townsend, look it up. It We yeah. use it in our community a it's lot. It's really good. Um, The second thing I would say, what I often say when people say, oh, I have a hard time, is especially people of faith. Again, we're speaking to that group right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jesus had very clear boundaries with toxic people. We see this in scripture, even to the point where he does not speak Mm -hmm. and refuses to give any words to Mm -hmm. his perpetrators, right? Mm -hmm. And we see clear boundaries against the Mm -hmm. confrontation, but then also um, giving away his emotional energy to uh, literally not throwing um, pearls to swine, as he says in scripture. Yeah, that's so good. And what I really like about uh, Dr. Sandra Dalton's definition 
within this uh, chapter, this type of rest. She talks about toxic people as we're describing, but she also uses this other term. She describes energy vampires. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much because I feel like mm-hmm. even if the people in your life are not toxic, but they are the people who uh, are mostly taking rather than giving, mm-hmm. even that awareness can be really important. So when you're on the way home, on your commute, after a really long, busy day, uh, maybe not call the energy vampire. <laughs> maybe you call the energy vampire on the weekend where you're feeling filled <laughs> and you enjoy the fun that they can be. Uh, but maybe they're not the person you call when, you're, when your energy <laughs> stores are, are low, right? I want to uh, know what the Halloween costume for that looks like. Energy vampire? Oh, my gosh. I can imagine what that looks like. <laughs> but I, I feel like uh, just such an important reminder of these two types of uh, people in our life. Yes, absolutely. Very wise words. Because as we're ending on this last one, it's very key. Our Surgeon General this year, Vivek Murthy, released a report in May. I don't know if you all are familiar, you heard about this. This is a very significant finding. And Mm. basically the report says is that there's an epidemic, and he used the word epidemic, Mm -hmm. of loneliness Mm -hmm. in our country. Mm -hmm. And that this is very detrimental not only to uh, the fabric of our nation, but also to the health of people. Mm -hmm. So the studies have shown that people who do not have connection, do not mm-hmm. have community, um, are lacking social rest. Mm-hmm. And that is so important for us mm-hmm. to try to figure out where are the places where we can be heard, mm-hmm. seen, valued, we find belonging, right. and we find connection. Yeah, that's so important. There is an epidemic of loneliness. Um, I know I have suffered from that at times, um, even in all the places that I am connected. Um, so I think one big step in well-being and wholeness as it relates to good mental health is all of these rest practices. Yes. And so we've talked about the seven rest practices. My question is, is how, what do we do now? Like, how Mm. do we get to the next steps of this? I think we do an assessment um, on ourselves. And as we think about these seven rest practices, what's the one that resonates most for you? What's the one area that you feel like you're lacking the most? I would say start there. What works for you as it relates to these rest practices? Yeah, I think that that's true. The awareness, there will be a link to a little a quiz that Dr. Smith gives mm-hmm. uh, in our podcast links. So go mm-hmm. ahead and take that quiz and then come up with a list of very simple practices that you can do each week Mm -hmm. um, to fill up those tanks. Mm -hmm. And a little goes a really, really long way is what Mm -hmm. we're finding with our community as they practice this. So be encouraged that um, it does take time. Mm -hmm. It's not an overnight fix, but small but steady wins the race here with the rest. Yeah, and I would even just say to and find somebody else, uh, a close friend, a trusted ally who can join you in that rest practice. Sometimes mm-hmm. when we have that accountability and that partnership, somebody joining in with us with a particular kind of rest, um, it makes it that much more enjoyable. So we just want to say thank you so much for joining us this season. We've enjoyed uh, having these conversations, and mm-hmm. our hope is that it has brought you some more tools for wellness Mm -hmm. and we want to end as a gift to you at the end of the season Mm -hmm. a blessing of rest that will also be kicking off 
next year's uh, podcast, and Kevin's going to read that. So wherever you are today, we want to offer blessings to you. This blessing of rest is from author Kate Buller. O God, again I lie here, awake, too tired, too restless for sleep to come. How will I ever get through tomorrow? O God, bring peace to my mind and body and blanket me in the heaviness of slumber. Blessed are we still awake in night's loud darkness who say, O God, help me. You know the state I'm in. My mind is a runaway train and my body, it's captive. You know all that troubles me. Take hold of me. Steady the racing of my heart. Breathe fresh comfort through the whole of my being. Wrap me in the secure knowledge of your love. Remind me that tomorrow's worries can wait because tonight has enough of its own. Blessed are we who wait in the silence, who remember that darkness is not dark to you, who pray, O God, receive me, gather me, strengthen me, sustain me, and free me to tell you everything. Blessed are we who listen in the quiet, for you to breathe life into all that is spent and gone, filling mind and soul and body with hope and the beauty of your peace that passes all understanding, gentle as the dawn. Welcome one sweet thought, follow it until it grows into genuine gratitude. Rest there.